This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, August 29, 2007. I'm Caleb Brown. U.S. Senator Barack Obama thinks Americans should be willing to pay higher prices for T-shirts and other textile goods to preserve the long-declining U.S. textile industry. Dan Griswold, the director of the Cato Institute's Center for Trade Policy Studies, says the practical implications of a T-shirt tariff are what you would expect from protectionism, higher prices at the expense of the poor, both in this country and abroad. It was quite a telling moment. It was a, the stadium full of union activists, and he was asked, uh, here we have American families, uh, many of them on uh, tight budgets, going out and buying T-shirts to clothe their, kid, clothe their kids, and would they be asked to pay more for those shirts to support jobs? And Senator Obama said, yes, they'd be happy to pay a little bit more to save their job. Well, of course, this was a sleight of hand because there are 114 million U.S. households, every one of them buying shirts every year. I figure about 40 shirts per year. There are less than half a million workers in the whole textile and apparel industry overall. Uh, that's one-third of 1% 1 of U.S. workers. So here he was offering to protect a small share of workers at the expense of American workers across the spectrum. I figure a $5 per shirt tax would translate into about uh, $200 a year extra. And of course, that would be a very regressive tax because poor families spend a higher share of their income on such essentials as food and clothing. So here we have a Democrat who supposedly supports the poor and, and wants to level the playing field, advocating a very regressive tax to save a small number of jobs. And by the way, these textile and apparel jobs are not well-paying, an average of about $22,000 a year. I calculate that's about $59,000 in extra consumer costs to save uh, one job in, the, in that sector. This just shows the folly of protectionism. I could have substituted in sugar or shoes or other clothing. The bottom line, it always comes out costing a large number of people more than uh, we benefit in any way by saving a small number of jobs. Senator Obama's idea seems to be predicated on the idea that the United States needs to have for whatever reason, uh, a large, at least a consistent textile industry. Everything I've ever read about economic development suggests that that's the type of industry that the moment in a country can afford to get out of it, they do. Yeah. Our textile and apparel and uh, shoe industries have been declining for decades, 50 years or more before anybody was talking about China being on the economic scene. And yeah, it's just a part of the natural development. We're not losing our manufacturing base. Total manufacturing output in this country is up 50% uh, from the mid uh, to early 1990s. Just we're manufacturing different stuff. Uh, fewer t-shirts and shoes and, and other clothing items, but more civilian aircraft, more pharmaceuticals, chemicals, uh, sophisticated uh, semiconductors, sophisticated machinery, you know, uh, medical machinery and measuring e equipment. So we're continuing to be a strong manufacturing country. We're just shedding the lower end manufacturing jobs while creating more opportunities through exports uh, for the higher end manufacturing. It's just what the trade textbooks would tell you. We're offloading the lower end, uh, more labor intensive goods specializing in the higher-end, more capital-intensive goods. The tax or tariff that he would seek to impose would 
adversely affect not just the poor people here, but the poor people in the countries where those types of textiles would be made. And those countries are very early in their evolution in terms of economic development. Yeah. The sad thing is about remaining U.S. trade barriers is, is that they are aimed at products disproportionately consumed by poor people at home and made by poor people abroad. You know, basically we have free trade between wealthy people in the higher-end goods, even in uh, clothing and apparel, you know, Gucci handbags and that sort of thing. They tend to come in tariff-free. It's the lower-end things that you'd buy at a Payless shoe store uh, that tend to have the higher tariffs slapped on them. And as a consequence, our highest trade barriers are aimed at products made by people in Cambodia and Vietnam and China and places like that where people are trying to lift themselves out of poverty. So again, our remaining trade barriers are like a regressive tax on the world's poor generally. And it's ironic that the Democratic Party, which again says that it is out there to defend the interests of the poor, on trade policy, they're taking a very regressive stand. And the other irony is uh, the Democratic Party was the party that led America away from protectionism. You go back to the 1930s, it was Franklin Roosevelt and his visionary Secretary of State Cordell Hull. Uh, and the policy was continued by John F. Kennedy and Jimmy Carter and Bill Clinton. All embraced a more pro-trade, expansionist, internationalist uh, approach to trade. The Democratic Party today, sadly, uh, has turned away from that legacy. I think the AFL-CIO and organized labor, the uh, environmental activists, have become so strong within the Democratic Party that they've turned the party away from its traditional commitment to free trade and internationalism. Dan Griswold is the director of the Cato Institute's Center for Trade Policy Studies. This is the Cato Daily Podcast. You can read more on trade issues at our website, freetrade.org.